show. Welcome, everyone, to another week in the world of Serbian football. This is your host, Miller, speaking. Thank you for joining us here on our show. If you're listening on YouTube at the Serbian Football Show or Spotify at Serbian Football Show as well, welcome and thank you for listening. A lot of things to talk about this week with a couple games that Serbia played against uh, Denmark and Hungary. But before that, I have a couple of special guests to introduce. First, we have our man Luca, who is still in Belgrade, I believe. Luca, how's it going, my man? Hey, man, it's going well. I'm just getting used to doing these podcasts at midnight in Belgrade, dude. As opposed to 6 p.m. Yeah. on East Coast time, dude. There's, there's worse places to be. That's yeah. very true. <laughs> yeah. And uh, also, we have our man from Australia, Adelaide's own Valley. How's it going, buddy? Milosha, just just uh, try to listen to how relaxed Luca looks at the moment. You know what I mean? Like midnight in Belgrade, he's been there for a, over a week, week and a half here. His dulcet tones, mate. Like it's like Fred Astaire, and now you're coming into Fred Flintstone listening to me. You know what I mean? Like some of the three minutes we've been Alex, how are you, brother? Doing wonderful. Came back, so I, there's a possibility that we might meet, uh, might make an economic meetup, me and Luca, considering we're in the same spot at the same time. Yeah, for real. And uh, there might be a chance that this podcast might go up a level, so, so stay, stay tuned for that. There you go, but, boys. Uh, you guys can meet up at a freestyle, freestyle the, 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 later. Yeah. Yep. After seeing the wackiness of the African qualifiers, I'm, I'm all geeked up now. <laughs> so uh, that was, oh, that was pretty fun. We're ready to go, Congratulations. Dude. Congratulations to Cameroon, who just won it in the 100 and. 24th minute in Algeria. Wow. <laughs> Crazy. Nothing like nothing like international football. Especially when, you know, these must-win games for, for a spot of the World Cup. Because that's crazy. Wow. Um, anyways, we have our own stuff to talk about. <laughs> we, thankfully, we didn't have to take part in any of these insane uh, playoffs or, or finals. And we got the job done in Lisbon in November. Thank God. So a, a lot less heartache and a lot less stress for us on this international break. Uh, but we still had a couple games. Um, today we played uh, Denmark. It didn't go so well. We lost 3-0. Um, I'll just say it's good that, you know, we got this wake-up wake call early. Uh, you know, you'd rather get hammered now than, you know, when, when the games really matter at the World Cup. So it gives Pixie some time to fix some things particularly at the back. Um, you know, I wouldn't say we played horribly, but I would say that Denmark was a better team. Maybe they didn't, they didn't deserve to win by three goals. I think that was definitely a bit harsh, but I, I think they deserve winners nonetheless. Luca, what were your thoughts uh, on the game today against uh, Denmark and our uh, first loss, uh, the second loss under Pixie, uh, if, you don't, if you count that loss against Japan when we played a D team? Oh, um that was under Pixie? I wasn't even aware, man. But that was like... That's, yeah, last summer. Okay. So that's like two losses in 17 games or whatever we played uh, so far. Um, so today, I mean, today's game, I was extremely disappointed, man. I, uh, I really thought... Really thought we... I know it's a friendly and all, but at the same time, when we keep talking about it in this podcast, is like uh, keeping that mentality going and... and keeping that fight going um, and not dropping a level. And I think we definitely dropped a few levels for this game today. And it all I think it all started with, with uh, the previous friendly that we had that we barely won 1-0 on an own goal. I mean, that just that was a hard game to watch. And it felt like uh, it really, really felt like a friendly. Uh, this one felt like the uh, 
Danes were there to play to win, and we were there to play a friendly game. That's how it felt. It was a they were they were a couple levels better than us on everything. Um, some will say we didn't play badly. Some will say chances didn't go our way or whatnot. But I think at the end of the day, we have to be realistic and we have to give some criticism to this team. You know, I was, I was surprised and happy to see the energy of the team, especially like, you know, they're celebrating Nastasic's birthday. They're celebrating with Luka Jovic, the birth of his uh, child. Um, I was just hoping that, you know, those, all those, that good aura that, that is going on in the national team doesn't translate into lackluster performances in, on the field. And I think that's exactly what happened. I love that the team's smiling, everybody's friendly, everybody's having a, uh, a good time enjoying being around each other, being a group of, of players. Um, and it also speaks volumes that Luka Jovic didn't leave when his son was born. I'll throw that out there as well. Um, and stayed with the team. But um, I was just worried that that might translate into kind of like a smiley attitude on the field. And I think that's what happened. And um, yeah, personally, I'm disappointed actually in both games, even though, I mean, we easily could have drew the first game and lost this one. And that would have just been atrocious. But um, yeah, man, I mean, just disappointed overall. That would be my assessment of, of the friendlies. I understand where you're coming from. Uh, you know, it's never nice to lose three nothing, but I think uh, I think this this type of game is something that that's needed. And and thankfully, you know, we don't have a the World Cup starting in a couple weeks. We have the Nations League starting in a couple weeks. So there's a lot of time to fix the issues. And if you look at it, we had more possession this game. I believe we had more chances as well. Um, so we still were able to create. We still were able to uh, have somewhat have our passing game going, although a lot of our final third actions were just ended sloppily or ended by you know poor touches from Mitri, which was who looked looked very bad today. And it seems like fatigue is catching up with him a bit, which is not surprising when you see the pace he's been at all season. Um, so I agree with you, Luca. It was disappointing, but I'm I'm not you know I'm not panicking or anything like that. I don't think I don't think it's an indictment on the quality of our team. I think it's more of a, a compliment to Denmark because they just got hammered two days ago by the Netherlands. They got hammered at 4-1 or 4-2. So they were eager to bounce back and get a win. And this was, I think, Eriksson's first game back at home since everything happened. So they were riding high on emotions. They wanted to bounce back. They wanted to win for him. So I think they had probably a lot more motivation than our players did. But obviously it's no excuse and you don't want to... Uh, yeah, did and, and, and if, if I can jump in just real quick, man, I, I'm not saying like the the quality. I think the quality of the team is, is is great. I think we definitely have some world class players in the team, and I think uh, overall our team is a very very strong team. I mean, I think even quality wise, they're stronger than the Danes. But you know, my problem is more with the mentality and kind of like the what I call a smiley attitude on the pitch. And even though it's a friendly, you still have to prepare for competitions coming up like the Nations League and like the World Cup. Um, so that, that that's all I'm saying. I think quality-wise, we're still, we're still good. I'm not, I'm not pressing the panic button yet, but it is time to give some, you know, sobering criticism of the team. Yeah, for sure. Veli, um, feel free to jump in on your thoughts about the game and, and uh, actually the last two games, pretty much. Yeah, okay, I'll, I'll go with Denmark first and admittedly, Gentlemen, I did watch it with 
one eye because it started at two thirty in the morning here in Adelaide, and <laughs> whoa, you know what I mean? Like that's that's hard work. Listen, you know, on our previous pod when we previewed these two friendly internationals, um, I was like, yeah, I wanted a win for both games. I'll tell you why. When I look at Denmark, I was there for the last official qualifier, you know, some years ago when uh, I already booked my tickets and, you know, we didn't make it. Um, And I've always had a real affinity with going to Copenhagen and going to Denmark. It is a team that I would love Serbia to be. And there's a number of reasons for that. Number one, the Danish crowd and the Danish public love their national team, rain, hail or shine. They really do. And they don't have a fickleness about them and they don't have um, a uh, up and down attitude towards their national team. And I fully admit that that could be an entire generation away by the time it goes down to, uh, goes down to Serbia. Number two, this is the big one that, again, Denmark could be an example of what we may aspire to. The collective of the Danish national team is greater than, the, than its individual parts. And I sincerely believe that that was one of the great reasons why Denmark won today and Denmark have been admired now for you know quite some time is because collectively they are a they are a fantastic unit with Christian Eriksen we seem, seem to forget that Christian Eriksen is a very fine footballer it's just sadly he's had um, he's got heart issues and he hasn't been able to play for it's almost a year now, isn't it? Right, and then he's had to move clubs now, and then um, because he wasn't able to play in Serie A because of the um, heart device that he has, he's not able to play there. He went, to, he went to the Premier League, but he needs time to recover. He needs time to regain fitness. And Christian Eriksen's a very, very fine footballer, so they were always going to have that emotion there um, for him playing in any type of international. Does the loss hurt? No, but shipping in three definitely does. And I think that, Milos, you made a really good point there that, you know, Mitrovic is starting to look fatigued, which is meant to. We are now in the end of March going on to April. There is, what, six weeks to go, eight weeks to go of his, of his season. So he's meant to look tired. When he does look tired, he does look heavy for some reason. I know that's not the right possibly analogy but he does this is the only thing that I have in two of the, you know in the two games that we played and you know I agree that the hungry game game was real was a real friendly we did push the ball around very well um, you know yeah let me know let me rephrase that we pushed the board the ball around okay and we made a couple chances but we still sort of look vulnerable at the back and this morning we shipped three. But I'm, it's clear in the focus where the Serbian team is moving forward. We're just going to hope to score one more goal than you do. And that's how we're going to get our results. Um, the goalkeeping position is still up for grabs. So I'm telling anybody with a Serbian passport, you know, in the, in the entire world, I still have this feeling that uh, you're in with a chance. Um, but the other, the, other, the other thing that we come in is... Our substitutes 
again really need to um, really need to step up step up the plate because I still believe that goalkeeping position aside, basically our ten outfield players almost pick themselves. And then whereabouts where they go is, you know, uh, is still a, not 100% concrete, but I don't see anybody on the substitute bench burning the house down to get onto that starting outfield position because, as I said, the goalkeeper position is still up for grabs. So, yeah, listen, I'd rather the, the loss out of the way now. Shipping three hurt more than the loss and... I would anticipate a significant improvement in the Nations League's games because all of a sudden we went from non-competitive internationals to competitive... We'll go to competitive internationals here in June. And so I hope that they live up to Selector Stojkovic's words and say, OK, do you know what I mean? Like, we, we had our focus on our Nations League games and, you know, we hope to see a marked improvement there because a marked improvement is necessary, is necessary. Uh, so well, that's, my, if, that's my take on it. Okay, if I can just jump in real quick, man, just two observations. Well, one observation, one question. First observation is, yeah, it was 3-0 for Denmark. Let's not also forget that they also hit the post, and they also missed a 100% chance when the guy skied over to goal. I mean, that easily could have been 5-0, 5-1, you know, five, maybe 5-2 if we, if we were lucky, if we put our chances Absolutely. away. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. But can I, can I put it yeah. this way? Yeah, yeah, right? So, again, through one eye, I stayed on um, and watched some games afterwards, okay? And um, I watched the Boarfest, which was Poland versus Sweden, and... Uh, I'm spewing Sweden not going to go to the World Cup because they were going to have a super trendy, another super trendy Adidas strip to, and tracksuit tops to, to, to show the entire world. So um, that's life, right? Right. But Poland have one of the Europe's great strikers in Robert Lewandowski. Right. Right. And they don't look good at all. They really don't. They actually they've been shitting themselves on the international stage for over a decade now, while Denmark. You know, do they have one of Europe's top 20 players that play in Denmark at the moment? They are a real collective. They are a real team, cohesive outfit. And in that way, that's why I want Serbia to aspire to. Because at the moment, we've got a lot of fantastic individuals. I want that to turn into an unbelievable collective, I'm, I'm, an unbelievable team, a squad. I'm, I'm so 100% with you. Too, yeah, no, no, no. I know you are, brother. Um, I, yes, they hit the bar, and then they, uh, then they had really good chances. But I think Europe at times underestimates how good Denmark is, and how, and you know how good Denmark is at home, especially. So we were just lucky that we caught them on a non-competitive international. We are played away from home. The loss to me doesn't hurt as much as in shipping in three. Shipping in three hurts more. Right? And, so, and what would you um, have been saying if they shipped in five? Exactly the same. Right? You know, that maybe we've got to look at whether we're playing at three at the back is our most wisest thing that we can 
put out there. Right? Because, yeah, we could have shipped in flights. And I agree with you. There's, there's no two words about your way about that. But we are in a non-competitive international fixture of which my alarm bells is that, as I said, I think we have 10 outfield players that pick themselves. And then there's that gap between that and the substitutes bench. Right? So, yeah. um, you know, Nastasis comes on and all that. And we, we talked about it in our, in our preview pod previous we were going through that squad and who's playing regularly who's you know some of them are in really good clubs but they're not playing and you know at the end of the day let's let's be really brutal about it radonich got minutes gruic got minutes um uh orvay luka jovic got minutes although you know he was he was the substitute that got substituted off after that right they're not getting those minutes for their clubs. And so, yeah, I agree with you. You know what I mean? That's that's our cause for concern because, you know, like as I said, the loss doesn't hurt as much as shipping in three and it would have hurt more if we shipped in five. I, I, I think, um, we yeah. Had a couple, we, had, we had a couple half chances. Right. Right? So my thing is more like this. You know, there's COVIDs, there's injury, there's long-term injury. Right? What happens if, if a costage or uh, SMS, or a Vlachovic or a Mitrovic goes down for a significant period of time, that's where we. I think that our weakness lies. Because if it continues like this, yeah, we can substitute a Jovic for a Mitrovic, but we're substituting a Mitrovic who plays all the time for a Jovic who plays hardly ever, and we want the same expectations. So I believe that's where our weakness is. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything you said, Billy. I will just jump in here with my final thought before I turn it over to Alexa here. The, the thing I'm most worried about where the alarm bells are ringing after this game against Denmark is the ability of this team to drop concentration, level of play, just just literally everything. To a uh, to a, a level that's, I mean, it's just a drastic drop from what we're used to under Stojkovic, and and if, you know, this might be the first time that this drop has happened uh, under his reign. However, I don't like to see it because that automatically automatically gives me alarm bells, and then I, I'm thinking in my head, hey, will this drop happen when the matches actually count? And is it a possibility that it is going to happen? Well, if history shows us, yes, it is a possibility. So I don't want these drops happening in the World Cup or in some other qualifying or in the Euros in the future. So th- that's why the consistency still is not there where I would like it to be for the quality that we have on our team. So this is what I this is what I say, like with Denmark's collective, their collect concentration is part of their collective. They are an extremely well-oiled national team and you know i again i grew up with them showing my age of course my dad you know he's still going in his 80s used to say that the old yugoslavia used to pump denmark regularly by three four or five and then they had that evolution in the 1980s that went into the late 1980s went into the 1990s and what i've seen that is significant about that national team is they've had periods of very good individuals 
and that has translated into a fantastic collective and then they've had a period of not so high profile individuals but it's still translated into a fantastic collective and in a way i think they are characteristics that the serbian national team could aspire to so um uh yeah that that's my thought on that you know the hungary the hungary game probably less said about that the better but you know, going to Hungary, winning away from home, again, was a really good outing for us. I know it was an own goal, but, you know, playing against the hostile atmosphere and the Hungarian fans really made it for a, you know, uh, less of a boring fest than it possibly yeah, it was impressive. could be. Um, uh, so, um, you know, like, again, I think we were well worth that. You know, however it was, at the end of the day, history says that we won, and I think we were worth, we were worth that victory. But, uh, the great thing about these what, games, though, was uh, both stadiums were really nice and both really yeah. nice atmospheres. Yeah, for sure. That was, that was Denmark. Really cool. Denmark always provide a fantastic atmosphere, and, and there was a lot of our things. fans. A lot of our fans were. were there was, Copenhagen. there was, yeah. and like I put it this way: if the, if if a Copenhagen stadium could fit one hundred and fifty thousand people there, it is the type of stadium that if you had a wife and three kids. You could take them there, and you'd feel perfectly safe. Right. It's like Ireland. Right? It's a family. It's a family atmosphere. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a it's a it's a just a wonderful wonderful atmosphere. But um, I don't think that would be the case in other stadiums around Europe. So um, I <laughs> sure. think I've spoken a lot. I think I've spoken a lot about my. <laughs> okay, my well, yeah, yeah, I'll life. just say. I'll just say. I mean, you mentioned earlier Mitrovic and you know him looking tired. Like you're right, he does look heavier when mm-hmm. he's tired. And, and the thing is. You know, he shouldn't have been playing both these games the full 90 minutes, or he got subbed off, but he almost played the full 90 minutes in this game as well. I mean, that's that's why, you know, we were saying maybe this is the time to try a third striker out since Lakic is out, maybe give somebody a chance, like Makaric scoring goals, same with Fajalanovic in, in, uh, in Israel scoring goals. So, I mean, it's, it was too much to ask for. Mitrovic, who's, who's Definitely tired to play both games, and then Jovic was not playing at all to play, you know, both games as well. And and, and why sub player. out? Why sub out for Jovic when he was already a sub and not take out Mitrovic? I didn't get I that. I believe he was injured. I think he has. Uh, oh, I think, okay, uh, okay. I think he said he was injured uh, after the game. I so, see. So uh, yeah, and uh, Alexa, what were your thoughts on, on the two friendly games? Well, there were positives uh, <clears throat> to be taken out of I think both games, and, and certain negatives. I would say that. Uh, Starting with the Hungary game, we'll, we'll get to the Denmark game quickly. And by the way, everything you guys said, you know, I see both both sides of, of the, the, the coin, and I think there a lot of stuff was very well said. Um, the Hungary game, I think both teams that we played against took these games seriously. Uh, Hungary certainly went out to make it a physical game. They they beat the crap out of our players for most of the game. They were very physical. They were tackling us tough. And, uh, you know, I, I think that the, the difference in quality that we have between us and Hungary is in some ways a difference in quality that Denmark had against us in this friendly. At least that's what it appeared to look like. Um, didn't really look like we ever got out of second gear in the Hungary game. Um, we were moving the ball well. They, they pressed us hard initially, but I think that as the game progressed, we were getting better. We were getting more comfortable. Uh, we created more chances. Yes, the goal we scored was an own goal. It wasn't particularly nice, but um, you know we, we were the better team. I think that if we, if we went out with a stronger approach, we probably could have scored a few more goals. And um, it was nice to see a couple of things. It was nice to see Vanya Malik Savage in goal. He was the, the standout piece for sure. And I think that as time progresses, I think he's going to be uh, more and more uh, tipped to be the number one goalkeeper because of his passing ability, his height. He's like six foot eight. 
and uh, you know he, he's an, he's a goalkeeper for a very good team in Italy. So I, I'm pretty sure that inevitably he's going to to win that spot, considering this fact that Dimitrovic is out of favor and Nikovic, you know, has not had a, a, a very good game for a while. He hasn't really had a great game since Azerbaijan. So you know he, he was good in the Portugal game away and he's good in a few other games, but he's had some some you know breakout moments and. Um, I think that, that Vaga's ability showed that our goalkeeping situation, if anything, is pretty tight. It's a good thing after a while. I think we're stuck with just one goalkeeper that, that, that couldn't do much. Um, on the side note, with the Hungary game, really frustrated with the, the officiating at this point of Mitrovic. I think that they got to let the guy breathe. I, I think to punish him for his height and for his size is, is unfair. Uh, the penalty absolutely should have been called. He was being pulled for like 20 yards before he got into the box. And because he's Mitrovic, who's physical and strong, they're not going to call that, but they should call that because that, if anyone else, that is a penalty. So that's very frustrating to see. Uh, Hungary were a well-drilled, disciplined team. They didn't really threaten us that much. They had a couple chances, but early on, once we weathered that storm, we, we took control of the game. We didn't really have many issues after that. So it wasn't really bothered by anything. You know, other guys got an opportunity. Nobody got injured, so it, it was fine. Um, the Denmark game was obviously the more important game. They're a team that, you know, probably closer to us quality-wise than, than Hungary is actually they're, they're better than us, but I mean the gap between us and Hungary is bigger than the gap between us and Denmark. Um, didn't nearly have to be 3-0. Uh, that, that point stands. It, it sucks to lose 3-0. I think that uh, one of the aspects of modern football, however, that has developed over time is that, quite simply, games that are very even in terms of statistics, in terms of possession, in terms of the eye test, uh, can go very rapidly one way or another, and the score can be very high, even if what you saw on the pitch wasn't necessarily a reflection of that. We just saw that with Rangers and, and Red Star. When it ended up being 3-0, it wasn't really a 3-0 game. And that's the case with modern football a lot more than with football 15, 20 years ago because the game's more open now. The players are more efficient in front of goal, and that's essentially what happened here. Denmark took their chances very well. Um, we have to take into account that this is a team that went to the semifinals of, of the European Championship. This is a team that's very well drilled in. Um, a lot of their guys play together, whether it's in the Danish League or whether it's in, in the Premier League. They play for Brentford or they play for other teams. And their manager has been there for just over a year and a half and has drilled them in to look almost like a club side. And that's really the most impressive thing, that they look very well organized. Their movements, their mechanisms, the way they attack, the way they defend or things that are very hard to match up against. And they really look like they've been playing together every day for years now. And that's that's something that at an international level, when you don't really have too much time to work with your team, can make a world of difference. And that's that's their biggest strength and their biggest testament, the way that their players are moving without the ball. You know, guy comes in, whether it's Kasper Dolberg or whether it's Scott Olsen or somebody, he drops back to get the ball. Somebody else runs in behind the defense. The way they're moving without the ball, this guy runs to the first post, this guy drops back. They're really well-oiled, and the second goal we conceded was another example of that, the way they practiced. They read the game very well. They prepared for us extremely well. They recognized that their ability to play out of the back was limited, and they you know, didn't allow the midfield to take over the game. They pressed the Nike Commission. They pressed the defenders to beat them with their passing ability and with their creativity. They weren't able to do that, and as a result of that, the second goal uh, ended up happening because they pressed Kvartic and lost the ball, and... Um, Ultimately, they punished us for it. A uh, little bit of bad luck was on our side, too. Mitrovic, usually in chances that he had today, he would have scored at least one. He wasn't on point. Uh, the first goal they scored as well, that's just an unlucky deflection. It was a good strike, but if that doesn't deflect off in length, it's like we'd probably save that. So the score itself is not necessarily that big of a deal. Uh, statistically, we weren't far behind them. They had more possession. They had more chances. 
Uh, we could have scored goals too. Uh, people will make the argument that Denmark were missing players. They were missing Tom Delaney. They were missing Simon Kier. Uh, but I think that it's evident that we had two losses today that were huge. You know, not having Milosevic, not just because of his ability, but because of how he fits into this team is a massive loss, no matter how you slice it and dice it. As great as Mitro is and, and as good as Lukovic can be, if you don't have your best striker available, and at this moment on form, your best player, that is a big deficit that Denmark didn't have. They didn't have that problem. And not having Milosevic is a huge issue, at least for that side, because as much as I love Zinkovic, he's not necessarily a wingback, and he's basically limited to just cutting in on his left foot and not really able to create an advantage with his pace. He's not really able to create an advantage. We missed, yeah, we missed the speed of Lazovic for sure. Yeah, for and, sure and not only that, with, with, with Lazovic, at least he can build up positionally because he's played wingback for a long time. He knows how to play. He's very tactically astute. He's still physically ready enough to where he can cover that side on his own. And I mean, another thing we saw that he has the physical tools. He, he's got great pace. He, he's, he's, he's able to hold the ball up. You know, technically, sometimes things can look good, but he has no idea really how to use it. And if you limit him to trying to beat you one-on-one, and if you limit the space where he can run, then his productivity is severely limited. He doesn't even play wingback for his club. So you're kind of limited in that sense. And if you aren't able to break down that in positional sense, then you don't really have much to go to. So Denmark's ability was, was great. The team they have is still very good. They've got a goalkeeper. Kasper Schmeichel is one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League. They've got experienced defenders. Pierre Hoiberg is one of the best defensive midfielders in the Premier League. Christian Eriksen, for whatever people want to say about him, is still the genius that he's always been. Uh, I would like to also say, however, I, I'm kind of disliking this whole craziness about, you know, the, 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 the banners about him and, and him getting the awards and stuff like that. That's fine. The dude's not, like, disabled. He made a choice to come back. I, I appreciate the support that we've been giving him, and he deserves it, and he deserves a lot of respect for the bravery to come back. But at the same time, he made a choice to come back. You know, we shouldn't be going crazy, super happy every goal he scores. That, that's kind of demeaning to him, and it's just kind of annoying at this point. Like, let the dude play the game. That's going to be a bigger sign of respect to him than anything else you do. Moving on to the uh, general sense I have about us is I'm going to give one tactical observation, if I may, and then I'm going to give one broader observation before I, I leave it to you guys. Um, I think that this game proved that this team – the way that it's structurally set up is much better suited on counterattacking situations than it is trying to take the game to someone, which is what we tried to do. We really tried to press Denmark, try to go at them. They were breaking on our press very easily, quick one-two passes, moving off the ball well. Our midfield was caught out of place. Uh, we weren't able to really come back in certain situations. The second goal is a prime example of that, where we lose the ball, the midfield's not there to pick it up, and the guy comes in from out of nowhere and, you know, forks it in. And I think that it is much more better for us to attack and counterattack in situations because that's how we scored our goals. You know, the Portugal game on the road, uh, the goal that we got from uh, from Tadic was basically a counterattack that was started, and then the, the, the second goal was also a semi-counterattack. Both goals in the first game against Portugal were counterattacks, so it's a system that suits us more. It gives more space and more freedom for our forward players to do damage. Um, also, I think that it, it's evident that us playing with two strikers and not packing the midfield really doesn't work. I think that hopefully Pixie's learned that pushing Sergei forward to be a second attacking midfielder is not the option. We saw that with Dombakovic. It didn't work that well in most games. And if you drop Sergei back to play with Lukic and Gude or whoever the other two midfielders are, he looks better. That's what he said. Lazio is basically one of the three central midfielders. He's not pushed forward to be next to the striker. 
And the games that we played, what we looked good, we've had five midfielders, and that was what happened to this Portugal home game. We had two strikers in front, we went three nil down. Pixie put in a, a fifth midfielder, he left Mitrovic on his own up front, and the game changed. And I think that it showed, and, and it's all today when we put Marco Gruic in, uh, and, and Ratchet in the second half, we looked better, we looked more composed, we were able to For sure. fall back in some of the more shape. Players better shape in the midfield we weren't getting you know flustered on counterattacks even when Denmark was progressing the ball we were able to come back and defend in a block and and two banks of four or in this case of three and five and I think that that's something that we have to choose fortunately we have enough midfielders to where we're not really going to be in the problem to pick them we got Maximovich, Rich, Rich, other guys that are going to fit that so hopefully in that sense we we go there's also other things we can talk about you know Pavlovich's ability to carry the ball out of the back is a very admirable trait against a team that is physically strong enough where they can dispossess you and Denmark will really show their physicality. This is the first team in the Pixie era that's really, I felt like, outran us. And I don't want to say that we didn't care because Andrzej Kovic almost got in a fight and Mitro looked really pissed that he didn't score. But they really outran us. They, a lot of the 50-50 balls went their way. And hopefully that doesn't repeat itself because that's one thing that really I don't want to see happen. I can live with somebody being faster than us and, and being technically more sound, but a lot of the situations, they should go to us because we have the physical capacity to win those 50-50 balls, whether it's in terms of our pace, whether it's in terms of our strength. So I really hope that doesn't repeat itself. There's other tactical things we can talk about, whether probably should play in these games. You know, maybe you should put Nassasic there. Should you try and give Vicovic more minutes? There's time to figure it out. At the end of the day, it's a friendly. And what Pixie said at the end kind of brings me to my wider point, that the loss itself is not that problematic. And on first glance, that statement might sound a bit uh, problematic itself because you want to win every game and they clearly take these games seriously as they should. But at the same time, it's like we didn't it, it's, we, we didn't concede a goal to Bulgaria like Croatia did, for example. It, you know, it's not like we lost to a random team, lost to a good team. It was probably a little bit better than us, probably much more in tune and, and just in a better sense of chemistry and longevity than we are. Our team was very individually talented. We played on the road. And at the same time, this really doesn't change the position that this team was in. This team, even before this game, was not going to go to the semifinals or the finals of the World Cup, which is what some journalists, some fans have already written in. They've already penciled in they were winning the thing. And this game doesn't mean that we're going to go to the tournament and embarrass ourselves and get knocked out in the first round. This team still has the capacity to beat anybody at the tournament, which no team that I've followed that said before has had. Like, not even that other Manante team back in 2010 was a team where they looked at it and went, okay, yeah, we can beat anybody at the tournament. This team can do that even if we are outsiders against maybe eight or nine or ten teams that are in the first pod. And also, we're favorites against some of the teams in pop, most of the teams in pop four and some of the teams in the other pots that we were playing at. So this team has a lot of potential. There's a lot of time to figure things out. Pixie has shown that he can adjust and he's made mistakes, whether it's from a tactical nature or whether it's from a personnel nature. He's made adjustments in games. He's made adjustments between qualifying cycles. And most of his changes have gone either well or really well. And uh, the brain trust of the team is such that I trust them to make the right decisions. There's enough talent on the squad. The guys seem to be motivated, and they all seem to care. Um, so I would I would lay off the, the pessimistic viewpoint that people are having and the fatalistic sort of approach that I talked about in the last podcast, which is unfortunately a standard practice for us, and I wish it wasn't, but you, know, you have to live with that. And just have faith in the guys. You know, keep keep the the keep the support. You know, keep the belief. And, uh, you know, again, things can change easily. You, know, you get the draw, and if we get a really fun, comfortable group, then, then your whole viewpoint can change. 
And there are other teams that have lost games and friendlies with a convincing scoreline, and then they went to tournaments and played really well. So this game does is, is frustrating because I really don't like Denmark, and I really am disappointed that we lost this. But at the same time, we didn't lose to a bad team. We didn't play terribly. Uh, I, I, every decision that was made, I see a reason why that decision is being made. I see a reason to what we're trying to do. Maybe there are certain preferences and things that I would like to do and what we'd like to see. But at the same time, Pixie has shown that he's got enough footballing intelligence from a managerial standpoint to where he can fix those things. There's still time for this team to develop their Nations League games or European qualifiers games. There's six months of time for us to fix this. You're going to have a full month in June to where you can work with guys, you can implement new things. So am I panicking? No. Am I a little bit disappointed and, you know, a little bit sad that we lost this convincingly? Yeah, but at the same time, there's time to fix those things. And, and this team still looks really good. This team still plays attacking football. This team still is competitive physically, football, football-wise, tactically against all the teams that we've played against. And um, I, I'm, I'm still keeping the faith. I'm still confident that we can do well. And if the draw goes our way, there's potential for this team to, to go far. So just, just, you know, the one thing, the last point that I'll make before I, I leave it to you is that this loss shouldn't change the perception of the fans. You know, the Nation League games are coming up. The weather's going to be nice. I'm hoping that the stadium's going to be full because they deserve it. At, at the same time, we got to do our part as fans. We got to do our part as the public. We got to support them. We got to be there by them. We got to also be critical of them when they deserve it, but just have a reasonable and rational approach and relationship with the team. And I think they're going to benefit from it. And I think that they're going to repay us back in, in the Nation League games that are upcoming. So it's time for these things to fix. And I'm not worried at all about what's going to happen in the future. And at the end of the day, the guys are giving everything they have. And, you know, sometimes that's all you can really ask for. So credit to Denmark for the game they played. But, again, the tournament's a different thing. And we'll see what happens if we draw them in the tournament. So. Absolutely, Alexa. And I think it, it's important not to overreact after, you know, a friendly loss. But... At the same time, there are some, you know, glaring issues that, you know, we have to address and, and that are clearly have, have been a problem, not just this game, but... If I, if I also now. may mention one thing very quickly, I forgot to mention, the best thing about this, this uh, friendly cycle was that, again, by beating Hungary, we have maintained our status of beating teams that we should be beating, which is a really uh-huh. important factor when you get into the major tournaments and qualifying groups. Teams that go through are not the teams that beat the big boys. It's if you can beat all the teams you should be beating, which these teams have consistently done for a while now. And in the World Cup, that's what's going to get us through. If we beat a pot 14, and if we can get something against a team that's maybe higher ranked than us, that's that's enough for us to get through. And this team has shown the ability to do that, and has also shown the ability to pull off a major upset when they need to. So, so as long as we keep beating the teams you should be beating, I'm not worried about us because I know we have the talent to surprise any of the big boys. So as long as that maintains itself, I'm, I'm not really like, concerned about the status mm-hmm. of where this team is going, and I don't think anybody else should be either. Definitely, and I would just say um, one of the issues that have has been there for a few games now, I would say, is, is Vakovich in goal. Uh, he just does not look that confident or that secure with the ball on his feet or his, ki- his kickouts, um, uh, I mean, just just not not good enough, honestly. And, and comparing it to, you know, Vanya Miklusevic, the two games he's played, he's got a cannon for a foot. He's much more comfortable with the ball. And he's, he's accurate with his passes, too. Uh, very accurate. Man, uh, Rajkovic's passing is awful. And his, and his like, kickouts are awful. I like, agree. They, barely, they never go past half or almost never go past half. They're always like sideways and, and never go to the players. Like, it's really, really tough. And I think also a big test and a good reason why 
I'm happy there is the Nations League is because we haven't seen Vanya play in a competitive game yet. He looked great against, you know, Qatar in a friendly. He looked great against Hungary in a friendly. Well, you know, let's see how he looks when the pressure's on against, you know, Sweden and Slovenia and whoever else is in our group. You know, let's see how he does then because that's going to be the real test. If he's still comfortable with the ball, if he's still doing, you know, doing the things he was doing in that in those games like he was doing in these friendly games, then I think it's a no-brainer that he starts because Rakic, love the guy, you know, respect a lot, less respect him a lot for what he's done for, in his career for Serbia and all that, but just he does not look that confident. It might be the nerves of playing for Serbia, uh, you know, it might be, a, a, you know, an array of things, but he just does not look that confident in goal, and it does not make me confident watching him, especially when he has the ball at his feet, you know, when he's kicking it out. It just, it basically every kick out he has, it's like a guaranteed turnover. Because he's booting it to like the other team, he's not he's not hitting to any other players, you know. Right. And it's just it's tough. It's tough to see that, uh, and I think Pixie's definitely taking note of that because he needs the goalkeeper to start those attacks and to be good at the passing because he wants to, he wants the strikers to do the same and the defenders to build up from the back, right? So that's going to be something to follow. And then we have to also address the issue of the left side, Kostic. Uh, you know, he has his qualities, but let's just say defending is not one of them. <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> positioning positioning in a defensive matter is definitely not one of them. And then Pavlovich, you can clearly see that this is a guy that's very low on confidence right now. He has his good qualities, and we've seen them in, in the qualifying. But, you know, right now it seems like he's, he's at the bottom of his confidence. I'm sure going to Basel and losing his starting spot right away and, and having some poor games there has not helped. So we're going to have to make some decisions in the defense. Maybe you you play the guys who are actually playing. Maybe you play Stefan Mitrovic. You know, we've seen him have struggles in the past, but he's having a great season in La Liga. He's playing every game. Maybe you play, you know, obviously you play Milankovic. He's playing every game. Um, you play, you maybe play Gudel at the back because he's playing there regularly for, for Sevilla now and their second place in, in the La Liga. So this is things that people have to think about. Obviously, you know, having those guys all starting limits our ability to play at the back. They're not really the best passers. <laughs> you pretty much are our best guys passing the ball out of the back are Vekovic and Pavlovic, and they get forward well. But, uh, I mean, Pavlovic is so out of form. You can see his confidence shot. Hopefully he can get something going for the summer and, and get a move and start playing and, 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 you know, start improving. But every team is going to target our left side. Every team knows that's our weakness. Every team knows that they go after Kostic and go after Pavlovic because they're not, you know, they're they're just they're our weekend. I mean, how many times did the the Danes go through the right side and the link, which not not many. And and this is this is this going to so this is something that's not going to change when the when the when the real games start, uh, unless you know Pavlovic can improve or Pixie can switch it up. I mean, does he play spikes there? We've seen that in the past. Uh, but he's not really lighting the world on well, fire. He's either. really persistent on having a left foot at center back there, and the only other option he yeah. has is Nostos that you can't stay fit. So it's kind of like either damned if you do, damned if you don't. Are you going to accept Pavlovich's ability to carry the ball through but possibly make mistakes at the back, or are you going to risk putting Stefan Mitrovic in who's going to be surefire at the back, but he can't pass to save his life? It, you know, yeah. you're, you're kind of screwed either way. So it just depends exactly. on the opponent you have. In this kind of a game, it probably would have made more sense to go with Nostasic, Vitovic, and Milankovic or something like that and not try and build from the back and just kind of play, you know, defense and try to go on counters. But I understand why he wanted to press them hard up front 
uh, it just didn't work this time. But again, all the decisions that he's making, they're making sense. And, and yeah, and, and I'll just say, if you're going to decide between two defenders that aren't playing and one of them is 20 years old and one of them is 30 years old, I would go with Nesic because he has the experience. He has way more games under his legs. I know he hasn't always been the best for the national team, but I think he's just a lot more solid right now defensively and positioning-wise than, than Pavlovich, who is a little erratic at times. He gets forward a lot, but he also kind of gets lost in positioning sometimes. He kind of makes a lot of, I would say, brash challenges. Sometimes they work out, sometimes they don't. Right. And I think Nesic is a lot more, he's a lot more steady. Maybe he's not making like those amazing tackles, but he's also not taking as many risks as possible. He's not getting cut out of position trying to press them. Yeah. Right, right. Yesterday, hey. tried to press the, tried to press the, the winger at Denmark just played a quick two-touch pass, and then they have a three-on-three counter. Right. And that, you know, maybe that's not necessarily the way to charge at the winger, trying to play more conservatively. But again, our defenders aren't great either. So it really just, you know, it, it depends on your approach. Do you defend with numbers or do you try to press them high and make sure that they don't get the ball up front? So, you know, and we don't have the ability to press that well, you know, because we don't really have the, the, the pace to cover that much ground. So right. you know, it, it, a lot of it depends on the opponent you're going up against. Like if we could have gone up against Croatia, if we want to give you someone like that, you know, a team that plays a slower tempo, the, the way we played today actually would have worked pretty well. But in this type of a game, you know, sitting back and trying to go on counter, like, we were able to break through their defense. It wasn't a question of that we couldn't get past it because Mitrovic had chances. Stadic Kostic were constantly getting down the wing. It was just that we weren't able to get enough people you know, going forward because we were so tired out from trying to press them that we couldn't get them back to front. And as the game was going on, you guys saw that they were getting in transition much easier. They were spreading the ball much better. We, it took us a long time for us when we get the ball to get it to the winger or get it to the striker, and we just kind of were gassed, and we didn't really... He didn't really set it up right. But it's better to learn that now in a friendly than, you know, in the first game of Qatar. Let's also not forget that as nervous as we are watching uh, Pavlovich take the ball and dribble it up the field, and you're like, oh, shit, is he going to lose it? And then in transition, we're going to be screwed, basically. He was also, his dribbling uh, runs, let's say, were also created... A couple of goals during qualifying and a couple of crucial goals as well. So let's not forget that either. Because like, I'm afraid you know if we, if it's between like Nastasic and Pavlovic, you put in Nastasic and you're and you're not you're all you're losing a lot of those incisive runs that really really open up uh, the defense and let somebody like uh, like a Tadic or or somebody else really create when they when they uh, get the ball because all of the all of the attention is on the runner. Um, so look, the the Pavlovich situation for his club is very, very, uh, is very worrying. Of course, even at Basel, where you think he he would and should start and really have a firm position in the team. However, he has played pretty decent for the national team uh, in qualifying. I'm talking about when it matters, he's played pretty decently, and with some. Nations League games we have coming up, perhaps he can rediscover his form. At least I hope so, going into the World Cup. Yeah, for sure. And, and Luka, you mentioned, you know, probably starting a couple of attacks left the goals. Also, Vekovic as well, that he remembers his assist to um, Lahuch against uh, Luxembourg, you know, when we won one nothing. Right. So these guys, they might be limited in certain areas, but they're also very handy and very useful in other areas. So it's really a catch-22. I mean, if... If you really wanted to have a really solid defense that defends against teams that are that are you know going to attack us, I mean you go with obviously you go with Nasić 
Gulia and, and, and Mitovic in there, Milankovic in there. You know, we have a lot of defenders, but it just depends on the opponent, I think. And I think right. the Pixies going to have to do some mixing and matching in these games. The important because, part is that you've got enough options to rotate. You know, you've got yeah, you've got a lot of options. Like, if we go against a team that's playing a lot of, like, in England or something like that, right, that plays, or, well, they play a lot of high, high balls to Harry Kane, a lot of crosses to Harry Kane. I mean, that's, that's a game where you can probably start Mitrovic against Harry right. Kane. Like, I would, right, I would, right. that's a good matchup. Like, I think that's a good matchup. Although the speed, you know, it's going to be an issue against England. But uh, there's a lot of different Mexican matches that he can do with the defense. Now, it's not all great. <laughs> it's not all, uh, you know, going to be good for us. But I think we do have options in defense. It's just a lot of those options are not playing. <laughs> it's just that a lot of the options are not ideal. If I could just quickly add one there. I think the other underestimate thing that we have in our national team is the role that I reckon Selector Stojkovic does play. I have this I have this feeling in my head and I'm just getting this thing where I think it's justified. I think Stojkovic knows when to possibly put his hand around the player, you know, his arm around you know, his arm around him to, to boost a person's confidence up. I think he has the ability to be as stern with a player when he has to be. And I think he has the ability to talk to the group and actually to challenge them to say, all right, what do you guys want to be? Do you know what I mean? Like, as a, as a national team, what do you guys want to be? Because, you know, we look at Strakinya Pavlovich and just think about it for two seconds. He went from Partizan to Monaco. Now, that is a huge jump. Not just in the standard of the league, but the prestige of the club and the expectations of the club, whatever it is. Monaco, yes, they, they don't have a massive average crowd at their um, at their fixtures. You know what I mean? Sometimes their crowd is two to 3,000 people. And frankly, uh, you know, I've had more people at my slumber some years, right? So um, it's not like they, they have that. But the expectation is is rather big. And then he when that loan, um, uh, that loan period, I think in Belgium, correct me if I'm wrong, and then going to Basel. Basel in the Swiss League, they like to think to themselves as the new power within Switzerland, taking over from grasshoppers, etc. So the expectation would, you know, there would be huge as well. So I think he is in good hands having, you know, Stoico, Dragan Stojkovic as the national team manager, and he will know exactly how to um, uh, uh, deal with the ups and downs of the fortunes of a young footballer playing in Europe and trying to make it. It's just a pity that he probably doesn't see him day in and day out or week in and week out to get that type of guidance. I think on the left-hand side, we're okay because I think Mihailo Ristic is a, is a suitable cover as well. You guys mentioned Stepan Mitrovic. Um, I just, my, my thing is that we just don't have that, that substitute banging down on the door to, you know, to really replace a player. The thing is with Predra Grajkovic, I think he still has that look about him where he's a little bit like, I can't believe that I'm here. A hundred percent. You know yes. what I mean? Like I think he's, yeah, I think he's a little bit in shock and awe, and think, thinking, "Wow, okay, I'm actually an A international now." Well, Cena, you know that that time is gone. You know what I mean? When you played that game, you know, in front of ten thousand people in Belgrade in the, in the pouring rain against Ireland, you had that game to get those thoughts at the assistants. Right. And, you know, Cena, we need to get on with it. 
I still don't understand sure. why Marko Dimitrovic has fallen out of the pecking order. I understand that he had a couple shaky performances. I just didn't see those shaky performances of him coming because, you know, the games before those two shaky ones in the last period of qualifying, he he looked actually, to me, safe as houses, and all of a sudden he just fell off a cliff for some reason. And that still surprises me to the very day, and I don't have... Um, I don't have a uh, uh, an explanation for that. So um, it's. It, I think this is going to be the the big period is going to be this. The players who are not playing for their club size at the moment, I think their summer break is going to be their most interesting part. And I hope that some of these guys get their future sorted out sooner rather than later. So when they go on their summer holiday, I know they're they're sitting on their um. Uh, on their um, beach couches or whatever you call it, uh, call them, and I hope they can sit there and get rejuvenated and get some rest and get some relaxation rather than sitting on their um, uh, couches on the beach, whether it be in Mauritius or God knows where, and they don't have a mobile phone next to them, you know, waiting for a phone call from their agent. Right. Uh, I believe they're called that, uh, patio furniture belly. Exactly right, right? So we don't, have, we don't have them in Australia. You've got a towel in the sand and hold the fuck off. Old right? school, baby. Um, absolutely. So, um, uh, you know, like, because living like that, waiting when the phone's going to ring, is a strain on a player mentally. You know, make no, make no two bones about that. So um, it's going to be interesting time, but I, I hope the national team gives it its all for 10 more days in June then they can go away on their break and um, and get the rest and relaxation that they yeah, need because and let's hope life that, as a football uh, is hard work. And let's hope that, you know, a guy we forget about, Bill Judicic, let's hope he comes back healthy finally because we miss him too. Uh, you know, he, he can, I think he'd be doing a lot better a lot better job right now than Zirkovic uh, is on the right side. He's a lot he's more... He's the only side we have for really, if you think about exactly. it. Exactly, and I think he, he showed a lot of good things playing on the right, uh, even under Tumba, right? So hopefully he gets he gets back healthy because he's another weapon we can use. Because when you really think about it, we don't really have that many attacking options off the bench. We have been using Radonjic, and that's pretty much it. And then Jovic comes on, obviously as well. But Jovic won't you know, he won't play much when when Mitovic and, and Vlahovic are both healthy in there. Um, so I think we we need those other options. I think Judic needs to come back and be healthy, and he's going to be a great contributor. And then, of course, Lazarus needs to stay healthy because on the right side, he's the best we have. He's the most solid positional player that we have on the right side, uh, defensive-wise as well. And he's he got a great cross, cross on him. He runs a lot. He's quick. He's got the pace. And he makes smart runs. And he's, well, obviously, his finishing is not the best, as we've seen in the past. He always gets in those good opportunities. That he, <laughs> know, misses he misses the chance. But, like, he always gets those runs, and he, and he combines well with Tadic and SMS, Mitrovic and, and Lavic. So we really do miss him. I think it's underrated. He's under, underrated how much we miss him because Djokovic, he, he does his job, but he's not that involved offensively. He's not that pacey. And then defensively as well, he's, just not, he's not a wing, wing back. So he, does, he tries hard. He does okay. But it's just not not the same without without Lazic there, and I think we really missed him in this game and in these two games, and I think we really missed him against Portugal as well, because you know Jikuch was on the right side, it was you know not 
one of our one of our weak links, I would say, in, in general. But, but it's not his fault. The Portugal game was such that Rodrigo's skill set worked better because Portugal didn't really press and didn't really exactly. run to play position. Yeah, exactly. He, he had more time. He had more time against Portugal because for whatever reason they're playing, they're going for a draw against us, so he had more time. But against you know Hungary, he didn't have a lot of time. They were pressing hard, and you know tonight he didn't have a lot of time either. So and you saw that, and you can see that he's playing out of position. But I think we have a lot of talent. We have a lot of uh, pieces and hopefully and I think Pixie will will make them fit he has so much time now we have those four games in June basically it's a mini tournament for us he hopefully he gives some guys a chance there like, I think he will because the form in, in yeah. June is pretty bad you know so he's probably going to try to mix exactly. it up he's got to mix it up it. he's got to mix it up he's got to give some guys a chance he's got to rotate we have the squad to rotate thankfully I'm sure he's going to bring a, you know, a 30 player squad at least so we'll see some more faces there and, uh, you know, as I said, we could take this as a learning experience. Better that this happened now than it happened in September, you know, in our last Nations League games before the World Cup, and then we're all panicking, right? So this is a good chance for Pixie to show us what he can do. And, and uh, Veli, you mentioned as well, you know, him putting him seeing like the type of guy who puts his arm around a player and motivates them to, you know, come back from a mistake. Well, let's look at the guys who've made big mistakes in qualifying. You know, we have... Milenkovic, Rajkovic, Gudel, those guys all made, you know, pretty big howlers in, in certain games. And then they all came back and started the next game. So he's he's not somebody that's going to, because he's not somebody that's going to drop somebody because he had one bad game or one bad mistake. He definitely seems like a player's coach. Someone's going to talk through it with the guys. He's going to try to give them the confidence back. So hopefully that works with, you know, Pavlic as well. And, you know, we can get him going and we can fix those holes in our defense. Um, just before you know, we wrap up after the show, I, I want to go through with everybody and, and see uh, what, you, what are your guys' main points uh, that you think you want to see, positive or negative, or want to see addressed before the, the games in June start. Luca, we'll go with you first. Yeah, man. I, I, the biggest question for me is the, the, the goalkeeper situation, if we're talking about on, on the field personnel. And, um, you know, Veli mentioned it here, but... Uh, Rajkovic's first competitive game um, against Ireland in Belgrade, you can tell on his face that he was nervous. Even the way that he conceded the goal was also nervous. He has these periods where he just freezes on the goal and the ball just goes by him and he's just kind of like watching it. And after, you know, that uh, Ireland game, I believe it was a 2-2 draw, and uh, we were talking and we said, look, we're all a big fan of Rajkovic. We all know that he has a massive, massive potential. And this was his nerves in this game clearly showed. But but as he becomes more and more comfortable with the uh, national team, um, that'll go away. And he'll become more cemented in his place and, and all of those things that come with experience. It seems like that never materialized. And it seems like that the Rajkovic that played today, for example against Denmark is still the same Rajkovic that played uh, his first game competitively for the national team against Ireland. And that's very worrying, man. And um, I'm, I'm with you also, Milos, on, on the front that from what I've seen of all the goalkeepers that we have, uh, Vanya Milinkovic-Savic is, I think, the best option that we have so far that I've seen with my eyes. Hopefully that position gets cemented sooner rather than later because I also don't think... I also think part of our defensive woes are the fact that we're switching a goalkeeper every game. I think if we have a if we know this is our number one goalkeeper and then he can start communicating with the defense on a regular basis, like every game, 
Um, I think that's going to help out a lot as well uh, defensively to solidify things. Savelli? Winning is a mentality. And the biggest thing that I'd love to see in the June National League game is to how to best cement that going into the end of the year, the end of the season, and then going on to the, the year after. So I would, what I'd just love to see is that we are putting in our all for those Nations Leagues internationals and then we can all go our separate ways for that two to three weeks, you know, that we we call holiday or you guys call vacation. And then we can come back recharged and refreshed. If anything, I would just want to see, but I'd rather have that happening in November of this year than straight away now, is that we just take those half chances whereby... You know, like we, we've had a, half, we had a few half chances against Hungary. We had a few half chances against Denmark. And I'd love them to be converted into goals. And I think that is whereby you have that old saying in life where you make your own luck. And I hope that that starts to come toward us, um, come toward us, you know, in the, in the National League games. I just hope that we then see an upward trajectory in terms of the level from these two friendly internationals to the competitive internationals and all those people in the media and the narrative that says to them, says, oh, well, it's another break because of international football. I can't wait till the Premier League comes back or so on and so forth. To all those people, you guys can get stuffed. Because inter- there is something just still very, very special about international football, and long may it continue. I think the balance is right at the moment, but um, there is something special about international football that, sorry, club football just can't um, uh, cover over. So that's we'll what I'm, I'm hanging. Over. Yeah, we'll never cover over, and that's that. That's what I'm. That's what I'm looking forward to. So. Just the step up in level from friendly internationals back to competitive internationals. And I'd love to start seeing an upward trajectory in those half chances that we create now being converted into goals. But I know that's going to be tough in June because we'll all be very tired when it comes comes to there. But that's that thing. Winning is a mentality. And those four internationals, what's over? Is it an eight-day period, 10-day period? I don't know. I didn't look, check the fixture list. But if we can just pull that one last effort out for the national team, for the uh, girls and boys, um, and for the fans of, of Serbia worldwide, um, if we can pull that out and you know leave them with a very very good taste going into the European summer or into the Northern Hemisphere summer, that would be super. For sure, and I think another thing that I would like to see is maybe Mitrovic and Tadic not playing you know ninety minutes every friendly. <laughs> I mean, Tadic, the guy. Did not look great these two games, and it's understandable. He's playing Champions League. He's having a long season. He's in his 30s. You know, there's no reason for him to be playing all these minutes in these friendlies. Like, give him, give him 60 minutes. Like, come on. Give the guy a break. <laughs> let's, let's, let's give somebody else a chance. Maybe SMS at the number 10, Lukic at the number 10. Uh, let's see what, what somebody else can do. Because, I mean, realistically speaking, this might be 
uh, just last uh, last couple of games, the national team, you know, right, the Europa League, the Nations League, and then the World Cup. Uh, you know, I, I think he's in great shape, and he might keep going, but you never know. This could be the last games he plays, and we have to think of potentially starting, you know, finding his replacement earlier than than, than we might think if, if he decides to hang it up after World Cup. Uh, Alex, what are your uh, final thoughts and your wishes for uh, the Nations League? Uh, from a strictly tactical perspective, I agree on the goalkeeping situation. I think that that should be fixed, and I think that uh, giving Vanya more minutes, I think, is, is the right move. Whether it, whether it works or not, you know, if he's, if he's no good, then we know that we switch back to what we know. If he ends up being great, you know you got to move in that direction. Trying to figure out what you do with Popovich and Nasasic on that left center back side, uh, depending on what you mean, and just the general center back setup. Um, you know, Milankovic is nailed out on the right. Who you put in the middle really depends on the opponents you have, whether you stick good at it, whether you stick, you know, Milankovic there, maybe you try to put Nasasic there, you're trying to be a liberal, something like that. And, um, you know, other things as well. Hopefully, trying to find a way to get. Jovic's form back because if we play with two strikers and he's the only option off the bench, that's not really something I'm <laughs> too confident in. Uh, we have a lot of subs in midfield, a lot of subs in the wing back spots, but going forward, we got to find more guys that can fill that role. And um, again, hoping that we maybe stick with that five in the midfield because I think all our best performances have come when we've stacked the midfield and we've competed well in that sense. Um, giving other guys minutes as well, Marco Groici and Eric, I think are the two guys that really uh, jump out as guys that can, that can be dynamic players that can physically adapt to a game and uh, change the midfield and uh, be progressive enough to where they can put the ball forward. Or Shashic is another guy who, who was pretty decent uh, tonight. So giving them minutes, I think, would, would give really some rest. I think it would give more flexibility to bring Kudek back to the defense where he's played more. Uh, it would take some pressure off Malikovic Savage, so hopefully we go that route. And just from a general standpoint, that the fans show up, I think that this team deserves it. Uh, again, you know, you, you don't have to, you know, it would be great if you could fill the stadium, but... Uh, it shouldn't be the situation like it was against Luxembourg or even in the last game against Qatar, although the Qatar game was a little bit more reasonable why there weren't that many fans. But the Luxembourg game when we played at home, it was Saturday afternoon, 6 o'clock, wealthy weather, and I don't think there was more than 5,000 people in the stadium. That should change. I hope that the fans realize that they got to do their part too. They got to have patience. And um, in that sense, I think the games are going to be interesting. We got tough teams that are going to be waiting for us. But I think we got the quality to break them down. I think that it's good for us to play against teams that we probably are better than and should be beating. And, again, it's going to bring back to the positional buildup, which is probably what we're going to have to do because we're going to be going up against teams that could rank before in front of us. We're going to have to take the game as somebody. And uh, if we can do that, I'm going to feel more confident about the teams going forward. And with that, I, I leave to you one last question because we are only uh, about 60-something hours away from the World Cup draw. Uh, what are your desires and uh, expectations for who you want to get? I want to get an answer from, from all you guys. Well, a good question. Uh, I think let's just avoid the group of death. <laughs> hopefully we get, uh, you know, first pot, hopefully we get Qatar. Second pot, uh, you know, hopefully you avoid the tough European teams like uh, Germany, Croatia, teams like that. And then fourth pot, I think we can, you know, pretty much beat anybody from that pot. But let's let's get a Saudi Arabia in there, you know. A nice, nice... Uh, Potential easy victory, although nothing's easy with us. But I think uh, it's a good chance that we get either one of the South American teams or Qatar in our in our group. Because as you mentioned earlier, Alex, uh, uh, you, we can only have two European teams in one one group. So by the time we're drawn in the third pot, you know it's going to be there might already Millicent. be teams in two groups. 
Military, could I just jump in? Sorry, brother, because it's it's so relevant to especially today. Today's um, friendly. The only thing that are left in my mouth is I reckon um, manager Stojkovic had in his mind, I wouldn't mind playing Denmark again, right? Like in a different in a different scenario, in a different circumstance. So. To answer Alex's question, yeah, I'd love to draw Qatar, you know, being in pot one. But a pot two, I would love, because I've already, I've totally gone off World Cup draws. Do you know what I mean? Like, we've had good World Cup draws. Then we've had a good World Cup draw, a schedule of games at the World Cup. I know that doesn't make sense, but we've had schedules of games that have actually worked for us as well. And we never took advantage of it. But I would mm-hmm. love to get a Denmark or Switzerland you know what I mean? I'd love to play them again at the World Cup. you know what I mean? Like, I would really, really love to. And then, you know, like, I'd love to play at Panama because if I end up going, that's the, that's the shirt that I want to swap. But, um, <laughs> um, like, I the, think the draw doesn't... I think you're going to be doing more than swapping shirts, to be fair. But, you know. Absolutely. The, the, <laughs> the, only, the only thing that I'm worried about is being in tie. If I take a top off and what's underneath it, I might just get arrested for that. But, um... <laughs> um uh, or the other thing is, is I might take my top off and I'd blend in with the crowd. So, um, uh, the thing, so like the World Cup draw doesn't bother me anymore. You know what I mean? Because I, I've actually think that we had our our run of good World Cup draws and um, uh, and then a good uh, schedule of matches at the World Cup. Do you know what I mean? And we never took advantage of it. So you know the the South yeah, Africa exactly. one comes to mind. Yeah, the South African one comes to mind, and then the Russian one comes to mind. I think we had a good draw and great schedule. Uh, and a, yeah, a great out. schedule, and we didn't and we didn't take advantage of it. So I don't really worry about that anymore. But the only thing after today's after today's friendly, um, I I wouldn't mind getting Denmark again, right? You know, like in a more meaningful situation. You know, and obviously we'll be at a neutral territory at the World Cup, and I and I would love to get Switzerland again for obvious reasons. So that's that's where I stand on it. Not sure if I want to deal with a group with Qatar and Switzerland too, if FIFA's darlings in the group. The yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of ref, referee assistance in those games. What about you, Luca? What's, what's hey, your hopes for a group? There's only, I don't want to say there's only one team. There's one team at the top of my list who I would love for us to scalp properly, and that would be England, just to shut everybody up from the pundit yes, class over there. That would just be that would just be beautiful, man. Um, I think the worst case scenario for us would be getting the easiest group possible and not <laughs> not getting out of it. You know what I mean? Sounds like Qatar, USA, Saudi Arabia, I guess. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something along those lines, man. And then and then us failing to get out. Imagine that would be the worst that, case like, scenario. Oh man. I, I think that would be third, that would be third. it when we throw in the towel for the national so team. You, so you'd rather get Brazil and Germany. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pretty, exactly. Honestly, pretty much. I mean, at least that and like have decent games and not go through then you know, tie with Qatar or something like that, dude. Hey, hey, the yeah, Dutch are right. in part two. They're, they were, they've been our bullies for too long. I yeah. want payback. I, yeah. I want that's them. right. Yeah, I love the Dutch. And that's a doable game, too. That's a very yeah, doable exactly. game. Um, Yeah. All right, boys. Well, okay, so you go, go ahead. Go ahead, man. Sign off, dude. It is I was going to say, uh, before we go away, our man, Valley, in his usual shout-outs. Any, anything today, Valley? Are you, are you even awake? Absolutely. Right absolutely. <laughs> absolutely, yes. Today's, I'm going to struggle today. But listen... I usually talk about in our shout-outs, our survey of the Aspera and all that type of stuff. This one might seem pretty obvious, but I want to mention it all the same. My shout-out is to Milan Borian. The man is going to a World Cup, 
and I think that is something that needs to be celebrated. Uh, last week, I was rooting for Austria. I couldn't believe that I was doing that, but I was rooting for Austria because of uh, Dragovic and Kalajic and, and uh, Marko Anatovic, you know, hoping that they could get to a World Cup. Um, Milos Degenek has still got a chance, but, you know, like I, I think they are smaller now than they were, say, a month ago. But at the end of the day, these are, they, they are still part of the Serbian diaspora too. And uh, it is what it is. And I think that's just a crowning achievement on a really, really, really solid career. And I think that is something that needs to be celebrated. So, Milan Borjan, you're a star, brother. You are going to the World Cup. Please don't read into anything that, you know, whatever our club allegiances are. At the end of the day, the man is going to a World Cup. And I think that is just wonderful, wonderful news. So... This pod's uh, shout out is to him. Hey, really? I know, and, but you know, a couple additions would be great. Hey, and I, a couple additions would be great. Uh, I bet you, you probably you can make the case that he should be the Serbia's number one keeper if he was uh, playing for the national team. Borjan, that is. Maybe. It could be with it with the be. situation. One thing that he has, one thing that he has that between the posts that you, you you know of a lot of good goalkeepers in the past, he's got charisma. Yes, yes. Right, he has a presence. And I think in a way that, you know, like, um, uh, because I have been following it because that was one of my very first trips in 1991 or two. Or I went to Canada and I spent all my time in, you know, in British Columbia and I had a wonderful time and I saw this team called the Vancouver 86ers that are now the Whitecaps and so on and so forth. And um, uh, I've got a great affinity, you know, with Canada. So um, uh, I, I was really happy that they, that, that they qualified. And another, you know, like a Serbian player is there. Uh, you know, you never know. A Degenek might squeeze, squeeze in for Australia. A Georgia Mihalovic might squeeze in for the US. Um, so, listen, we have a lot to celebrate. We have a lot to be proud about. So, um, yeah, that's my shout-out for, for this podcast um, yeah. for, for Milan F. Damn right, uh, shout out to the Macedonian boys. You guys gave it. Uh, yeah, first of all, that was a brutal game, man. Great effort. That was great a brutal effort. game. Global game, great effort. <laughs> well, brutal for the Italians in the first one, dude. But that was, I, I felt that one for the Italians, man. Um, I got to shout out real quick to all of the uh, the Serbs balling on the NBA, man. I mean, like the last round of games. Poku, Poku, baby. Poku almost had a triple double, dude. Like they're really yeah, right. balling now, man. And uh, of well, course, Poku's hitting thirty regularly. Yeah, He's yeah, man. man. It's fucking. And that was in like that was only in like twenty seven minutes on the court too. That uh, it's beautiful to see. Bottom line, and Jokic is MVP again. <laughs> yeah, right. And the only thing I'll say about Borjan and starting for Serbia is. He's not exactly, you know, unprone to those mental lapses. It's the only thing that, you know, he's a very solid goalkeeper, great shot stopper, but he's he sometimes he loses concentration, and that's, you know, that's the only thing that I would Also, question. shout out shout out to the FA for making the crest a little bit more taller. It's still not <laughs> great, but they at least listen to us a little well, bit. Well, by the time we see the final product, like, imagine the amount of, <laughs> amount of shit's going to be hey, done to they it. they like, make it respectable, I'll take 57 changes. Just don't give me the fact. <laughs> yeah, yeah, at least at least they, like, straighten it out a bit, thank God. But we'll see what it looks it's like, man. They're going to make it. Hey, hey, the final product is going to look exactly like the crest looks now. Watch. After all the reiterations. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the thing is, like, okay, if they're going to make this the crest, like, why not just go back to quarter arms like it was originally? I know. It's, like, it's almost the same thing. I know, It's almost dude. the same thing, but it's, worse. Right, like, it's like a cartoon version of the coat of arms. Yeah, exactly, dude. 
It makes no sense. As, as the risk of sounding like a broken record, I'm going to go down to like a, an NBA chant or something like that, and I'm just going to keep saying, blue shorts, blue <laughs> shorts. That's, that's, that's what I want to come back, the blue Preach shorts. This, Preach yeah, it. Yeah, like blue well, shorts. Well, we, technically, you know we I mean? technically have blue shorts with the white shirt, but we need the red shirt and the blue shorts. That's that's right. Right. That's the right. royal blue color, none of this navy crap anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> exactly. I don't mind. I don't mind the away strip, you know, like the away strip does look rather classy. There's no two ways about it. But the blue shorts and the home thing, you like blue shorts, you know what I mean? Like uh, I could see an NBA crowd um, uh, saying that just, uh, just on my initiation, but I highly doubt it. But since we're on the basketball theme, the Serbian national women's team is coming to Australia in September. And I know the diaspora is absolutely going nuts over that. You know, I'm, I'm actually taking the family myself. Beautiful. Uh, Where are they going? In, Sydney. Uh, oh, let's in, go. In Sydney in um, September. Uh, the diaspora over there is huge. Um, so they will make the, the girls feel like it's a home game without mm-hmm. uh, without a, a shadow of a doubt. So um, the girls always do us proud. You know what I mean? Like I, you never, ever see a Serbian national team in uh, the girls in any sport uh, like um, not to us proud. So long, la- long may that tradition continue. Absolutely. Shout out from a basketball standpoint to Vasanitis. She was kind enough to take a picture of me after a long flight. He was a real MVP on and off the court. Damn right as well. All right, boys. Absolutely. Great show. Great show. And uh, just one final thing. Let's let's fill the stadium in June. Let's at least get 20,000 people if we're not going to sell those games yeah. out. But come on. Get behind the team. Let's get a great, great start. And if the to... FA, if the FA can do their part, let's make the tickets a reasonable price and right. make it a celebratory type of situation. We, you know, like listen, I have them. You know, Milos has one now, and you know, Kabogda. As many people on this on this podcast listening are going to have their turn. I, I, I love it when kids are there. I look at my half son in Mexico. We don't know yet. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely Un- unconfirmed. I, uh, <laughs> And that, that's what I had to explain to my wife. Well, that, we're a muchacho know, in, uh, in Monterey somewhere. That's what I had to explain to my wife once, that there was this unexplained one week in Norway, but you never know. Um, but uh, the thing is, uh, um, listen, I love it when our kids kids are there, you know what I mean? Without getting all, you know, we are the future on your ass, but that, that they're our future, right? There's right. many kids that we can go there with. They can go with their parents and, you know, have a good time, see their heroes in action, and, you know what I mean, so if the FA can do their part and you put tickets at a reasonable price so more people can go there, I think that'd be a wonderful thing. Absolutely. And with that, thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, thank you, as always. And uh, follow us on Twitter at the Serbian Football Show. And we'll uh, talk to you next week. Take care. <laughs>